Oh. Hello and welcome to Book Club. <laughs> this week, we're at the final furlong of The Perfect Close by James Muir. We certainly are. How's it going, Mike? What, in general or the book? Yeah, both. Well, I'll tell you something funny that happened this morning. So I've got two interviews that are going to happen in the south. Down south. With my candidates in the north. Right. Contact phoned me at ten past nine. She said, I'm really sorry, we're going to have to cancel the interviews. She was gutted. Candidates both took it well on the chin. Right. She phoned me back 20 minutes later and said, I've sorted it out. Tell them not to stop and keep coming. So I don't really funny one. You learn a lot about the candidates, though. The candidates both took it on the chin. So both have turned their cars around at that point. Not quite, actually. One of me said, God, when you phone me back. I was just about junction. to pull off at the next junction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and that's been your day today. Pretty much, yeah. Good. 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 Anyway, on, let's crack on with let's book. talk about I'm not, James Muir. Social interface, as you know. Yes, let's talk about James Muir's book, The Perfect Close. So, how's it been for you? Do you know what? I, I didn't like the book until I spoke to him. Yeah. And I thought that he gave me what. And I think we're going to have to start doing this a little bit, or maybe consider it, because once I'd spoken to him, then yep. a lot of the book made sense in terms of why he'd suggested it in the way that it had. Because reading it going, this isn't very good, I don't really like it, it's not really me. But then actually, when I speak to him, I figured out that, <clears throat> excuse me, that it wasn't really written for me. It was written for an ex-technical person or an ex-pre-sales person that was stepping in sales for the first time. Or, or a reluctant sales professional. Well, if I was a reluctant sales person, I'd pick up Sandler. If I was a pre-sales person or a techie or just, you know, not a salesperson but was quite up for being a salesperson, I'd probably pick up this. Yeah, okay. Um, but so the context, spoke, the context changed the game for us a little bit. It did, and I was going to say, if I just picked it off a shelf, I'd have sort of stopped reading it, really. To be honest, if I picked it off, you know, off an airport shelf. Yeah. Would, would thought, you have got all the way through the flight yeah, with it? No, nah, no chance. I'd have started playing Candy Crush with my daughter. <laughs> but actually, I forced myself to read it because the guy's good enough to come on the show. Then the guy's come on the show and we've pre-recorded, obviously, our interview with him. And now, with that context, I would say to people, read it with that in mind. Yes. Think about why you're reading it and what, and, and what the context of it is. And like I say, you know, if you are you know, 60 years old, been a salesman since you were 20 and have read every single sales text on the planet, can't see you liking it that much. You'll get a couple of bits out of it, but not much. If you're, you know, relatively new to selling, perhaps a bit reluctant to selling, or maybe a pre-sales guy who's got more sales responsibility on your feet, definitely buy it. And if you're somewhere in between, you haven't wasted your money, I don't think. No. For me, I, I, I was pretty negative about it until we met James. Yeah. And next week's show will be our interview with James Muir, with mm. the author, mm. where we've talked about the book. Um, and again, another um, guest who was great value. Yeah, and I mean, I'd be um, tempted to, to listen to that show first, watch that show first, actually. Yeah, go back. Go. Yeah, if you've not started, it, 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 it would be. first episode, hang on And next month we're going to do Go Give Us Sell More by Bob Berg and John David Mann, and I think what we'll try and organise is to record that first, because that will give you and I the context a little bit more. But so anyway. what did I like, what have I enjoyed about it? I've really... Am so I going to... Re- with you're, it? You're reviewing it before we finished it. Yeah. Let's do chapter 11, 12 and 13. Shall we talk about 11, 12 and 13, I and then I'll do so, a full yeah. review? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I must 11. be a bit tired from a couple of days on the road. Oh. It's oh. about creating it's a collaborative meeting... Ag- it's about creating a collaborative <laughs> meeting agenda. And I've got to tell you... Chapter 11, I thought, was very basic, um, but I couldn't disagree with much of it. 
And I thought, actually, if you did a lot of it, you'd have good meetings. Listen, yesterday I've turned up to see a CEO, right? Right. Of a Gartner Magic Quadrant vendor. Okay. He sits down. I'm at a coffee table in a hotel. Uh, the first thing I've said to him is, how long have you got? He said, I've got 30 minutes. I said, I've got an agenda of things I want to talk to you about. He said, what are they? I went through and we went, right, let's start item one. Correct. And if I hadn't done that, he'd just walked away. Yeah, I'm sure he And was. he was so appreciative but of me having been... Hobnobbing and social interfacing. Not trying to suck up, butter up. I just got straight to it. How long have you got? Half an hour. Good, right. And, and that's the tenor of this chapter, isn't it? It's sort of like, tell people what you're going to discuss. Yeah. They'll object you if they want to object, but they'll know what's going to happen and you'll have more productive meetings. Yeah. What do you want to talk to me about? I think you've got a problem you don't quite realise. What's my problem, he said. And that was it. Yeah. And, and I went, that, and you've got the following issues. Bang, 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 bang. End of the meeting. Great meeting. Brilliant. Moved forward into a next action. So, so, so you know, it, it's, and, it, and he says this, and I'm, a, I'm a few sort of pages into the chapter and I've underlined it, but knowing the purpose and the outline of topics gives attendees a clear understanding of what to prepare for the meeting. Some meetings require specific information and will reach an impasses. Agendas eliminate excuses that participants aren't ready to discuss the subject because they don't know it's going to be brought up. Yeah, and I, think, I think one of our objections to this is we feel that that's so bloody obvious. Yeah, correct. That we're almost at a point where we're like, oh, come on, that's facile. Well, we want to know something new, don't we? Yes. Because all... we live in an information age. Yeah. You know, what do you do in your spare time? What do I do? I learn new stuff. I know me too. A bit geeky, but no, me too. That, that's what I do. Me too. So, but, so I think... But actually, the chapter's right. Bang right. And, if, and actually, if I really look at people that we've worked with and how many of them... It, it never ceases to amaze me how much work I often have to do to encourage a candidate to walk into an interview, for example, with an agenda. Yes, I agree. And how many of them would look at you like you're utterly bonkers? Correct. Particularly at second interview stage, where the client's asking for maybe a 30, 60, 90 day plan, mm. and they look at you, what do you mean an agenda? Well, have you contacted the parties in the meeting and made sure that everybody's got an agreed agenda? So it's not that obvious, you know. Yes, probably. Yes. It's obvious to me and you, but we've been—we're very lucky. I we've think been well be, trained. I think it'll be obvious to a lot of the people that listen. But nonetheless, so what's this chapter about? It's about planning meetings and all the things that happen in. The yeah, it, 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 and, it, and he gives all the reasons in it, as to why it adds importance to your meeting. It defines objectives. Um, it, you know, what? How should an objective be done? It should be stated from the prospect's perspective. Focus on the outcomes they hope to achieve. I'm less in agreement with that. How can so, you disagree with it? Um, he pushed... Sometimes it's okay. I think it's okay to have your objective. I think it's okay to have your agenda. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the book is very much all about... It's got to be about your prospects. It's got to be about them, and yes, I get it's that. it's very prospect-centric. And I remember a period in my career where I remember once, one of the only times Pete Ingram ever did anything that was coachy or supportive... You know, it was like he sort of shuffled into a meeting. It was like a little old shuffling fella. And he once turned around to me at the end of a call. It was and he like went, Mr. Burns. Yeah, he was like Montgomery Burns. Yes. And, uh, and, he, and he said to me once, he said, you know, Johnny, that call was all about you and not a lot about the client, wasn't it? And it was all about what you wanted, but not a lot, not a lot about what they wanted. And actually, I, I learned a lot in that one sentence. And I get it. You've got to make 
you've got it's all about the customer and you've got to be about the customer and it's all about what they want but actually i think it's okay to put an agenda item in it that's about you yes but that's not the model this book is following though is it no so i'm in disagreement with the book Oh, I disagree with it's you. a book club and I'm in disagreement with the book yeah 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 and I'm, and I'm sort of arguing with you for argument's sake really I get your point now chapter 12 is the juice oh we've been chapter 11 here already yeah, Pricey definitely. this is going to be like the shortest episode of book club no uh, not necessarily because I think so, so, so in fairness to the start of the book it says you can just skip to chapter 12 if you want but I didn't do that so chapter 12 the title is The Perfect Close and this is the whole point of the book this is how you close people on what the sentence is. Yeah, so this is it. This is the, uh, It's a shame we don't have like a music splash for this is the herb of the book. Yes, or a drum roll. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it, it does say in chapter one, go to chapter 12 if you're that way out. Yes, but I didn't. It Like one of those um, do your own adventure books. Never read one. Right. So the chap- it, it, here's a quote from Anthony Anarino, our pal. Yes. It says, if the language you use to close makes you uncomfortable, then it probably isn't good closing language. Like that. Fair point. Like that. And remember the context before we dive into the chapter, which is James himself did admit he came from a technical background, moved into sales. He kind of wrote the book for people of that ilk. Yes. And I think that's a really relevant quote for for, for that. Because they might not necessarily be just straight out. Yeah, so let's get into what a perfect close is as per this book. So there are two questions in the perfect close, aren't there, Mike? The first question is... Does does it it make make sense sense for for us to X? Yeah. Yeah, and then the follow-up question, Mike? What is a good next step? That's if if they say no to your closed question that you started with. (laughs) So here are some examples. Does it make sense to talk about scheduling a site visit so that you can see the product in a live environment. Does it make sense for us to talk about putting together a financial assessment of your current situation? Does it make sense for us to talk about getting your credit approved while we go through the details together? And so on and so forth. So yeah. And, the, and there's a whole load of different... Ad- does it make sense for us to advance? Yeah. It effectively is what that question is. Yes. Now, actually, a part of my issue was a lot of the advances aren't advances. Yeah, I mean, you can pick holes in it if you want, but if you take it into the context of the rest of the book, it's a natural part of that process. Would I use it? No. Me neither. But could I see sense in somebody using it? Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. I I think if you're a reluctant closer, it's better than not having any go at all. you've done everything else in this book? Yes. If you've done all the other bits, Yes. It is a question on its own, isn't necessarily a good question, irrespective of what you've done. Um, I've got to tell you, Johnny, I think that's part of the problem with sales books is people pick out the good bits that they like, but they only pick out the good bits that it takes the rest out of context. Yeah. I think for that to work, you've got to have done this. The so what's your book. issue with the phrase, firstly, does it make sense? What, why well, why are you looking? Well, there's issues. It's a close question for a start. Yeah. At what point does it say, so we've been through, we've been talking together now for the past three months. You said you were looking for X, said you were looking for Y. We seem to have met all those. We said the next logical step was for you to buy it, so do you want to buy it? Now, I know I've truncated the question a little bit, but it doesn't make reference to any of those points, does it, I don't think? No. And also, uh, for me, I've got a couple of issues. One, I think you can ask an open question there. If you really wanted to ask that question in that way, I'd ask it in an open way. How do you feel about? Yeah. What are your thoughts about? 
and get information before you go to your next point. Yeah, I mean, you could do, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the next point, what is a good next step? I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I see, you see, when I first read it, I wasn't a fan, let's be clear, and, I'm not, and, I, and I know I've been clear enough, I'm not going to use it. But I think... I understand of, it, and I, I get why it would work. I think as part of that process, as part of this process in this book, it's a good process. Okay. I don't think I'm going to do it, and I think if I had somebody working for me, I wouldn't suggest that they did it. Not in our universe. Not in any... But, you, you, you know, if, if you think about it, it's a very simple one, this, isn't it? But, l- listen, Jonathan, you, you know, I'm a Tesla dealer. You know, you're here trying to buy a Tesla. Does it make sense for us to sign up the paperwork? No. What's a good next step? Well, I'm going to go home. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, I'm taking the mickey a little bit, but that's your problem, really. Correct. The next, t- the next step is I'm going to go away and I'm going to hold you at as much at arm's length as I so see fit. But what James would say if he was on the show... Is you say, yeah, but you're completely taking it out of context. Correct. If you look at the preceding in 11 chapters. Because what he talks about, and I think it's important to bring the context in here, is about what he calls timing. Oh, do you know, I was literally, that's the, the bit I've got on the So mind. you and I can be as negative as we want, but I get his point about I'm not timing. I'm negative about it, I'm just saying I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because what he's saying is, does it make sense to do X, is more about qualifying the timing at which it's right to do X or Y, rather than the fact that they want to do it. And therefore, if the client says no, it's more about where in time the client is towards making that decision to take that particular step. Correct. Now, me, I'm a bit more directive than that. Personally, I think at some point you just got to go and ask a customer if they want to do do the biz. Yeah, you know, at some point on behalf of your candidate, you say to your client, do you want to offer the candidate a job? Correct. Do you intend to, do you want to offer the candidate a job? The other day I was in a meeting in London the client had the terms and conditions. We were talking through them and I went, please, can I ask you to sign them now? Correct. And he said, no, you may not. And I laughed and he said, look, I just want to double check that. And we went over it and I went, okay, what about now? And he went, I'll sign them when you've gone, mate. And do you know what? I got on the train home and he went and he sent me an email that said, voila. Bye, German. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I think yeah. sometimes it's not unfair to say, Please, can you sign those terms then? I agree with you. But it, it, I don't know how far you are into this when I'm going to cut it on what page you're on. I'm on 183 here, mate. Oh, miles ahead of you then. I'll go back a little bit. Because you just took, because I did, then did link it to the point at which they say no. And then it comes to uh, his point here. Closing secret number 16. By asking a timing question, prospects cannot reject you or your course of action. Only the timing of it. Yes. I mean, and I that. get that. Again, it's very similar to Sandler, isn't it? They're well, you're always hang. You. What he's saying is, you hang. It, they're not going to bin you in the sale. You're hanging in there. Mm-hmm. And I think in certain circumstances, for example, back in context again, healthcare. That's pretty cool, because often actually healthcare is about timing, particularly in the UK. Yeah. You yeah. know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Often it's very difficult to accelerate a sales cycle in healthcare. Oh. Really? <laughs> and then he makes a comment I didn't like. Um, and James, you're not here to defend yourself now, so I'm, I'm going to make my point about it. It says, depending on the request and how far we are mismatched from where the client is in the buying process, there is a heightened risk that we will be perceived as being pushy or self-serving. We are being pushy and self-serving. Yes, but you're taking it out of context because you're not thinking about the meeting agenda and the agenda he's set out. What do you mean? But his meeting agenda, his meeting agenda is all about the client and what we're going to Yes, cover. but sales 
is a self-serving profession. But that's not what he's saying, because then he gives his example of the healthcare example. Nobody gets into sales, Mike, because they want to help people. Depends if I, if I wanted you, to help people... Depends what your class of sales, though, doesn't it? If I wanted to help people, Mike, I'd have been a nurse or a doctor depends what or class, a teacher. Depends what your class of sales, though, doesn't it, Jonathan? Because it is sales just going and selling some computer software to somebody. Okay. But do you get my point? I get your point. I think you've been a bit too linear with it, really, because I do get his point as well. Let's be clear. I'm not going to do it. But I do get his point. And I do think, and, you know, I've ranted a bit about this on a pint with JG recently, I do think we get paid to be pushing and we get paid to be self-serving. Don't you think, I mean, I don't deal with the healthcare market, actually, but surely some of the healthcare pods are in that market because they want to help other people. They say that. You don't think they are? Honestly, I think a lot of people get into that market, they wake up in sales. Do you reckon? They wake up one morning and go, oh, God, I'm in sales. Let's get it right. I didn't choose sales. Oh, I did. I sold I, I didn't wake up as a kid and think, wow, I can't wait to be a salesman. I want to be a rock and roll star. Yeah, I guess. I guess. But Sorry, I'm in sales, and therefore, if I'm going to be in it, I'm going to do it. And get I, back I, to your point of this book. Am I not allowed to finish my point about the fact that I don't like all this no, well, pushy self-serving? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't like it. I, 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 you know, I'm pushy and self-serving, but I can see his point actually. I must say. Yeah, have you ever read Ogbandino? I've never read that. The greatest salesman on earth. Yeah, that's a good one for you. Read that. Okay. I'm not going to tell you what happens in it because it sort of gives it away. And I get it, you know. I and love, it gives away who Ogbandino is. And I don't want to get the context wrong of my own statement, which is I absolutely love delivering for clients. I love doing a great job for clients. But your point is if you didn't push them into dealing with you, then you wouldn't have the chance to deliver. Yeah, and also, why am I in it? I'm in it to earn money. Yeah, I, I, it, I get that. It, 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 I'm in it to make money. I'm in it to win. Particularly me, I'm driven by winning. Very driven by winning. Yes. Okay. So let's move on. Okay. Before we have a fight on... <laughs> Recorded television. <laughs> Recorded TV. Could be like one of those scenes, you know, like where the Russian politicians or the Eastern European politicians beat each other up in, in <laughs> Parliament. I'd love that. That'd be funny. Well, we've got somebody coming on, haven't we, like in person on the book club. We'll we start to get people wanting to come in and hang around as studio guests. Yeah, maybe we could have a fight with one of them. Yeah, he looks quite tasty, actually, this fella. <laughs> um, so then the next point, Closing Secret 17, when we ask if something makes sense, we are not asking them to do anything, but they can clearly see that's the direction we're heading. And that's James's point, and I get that. Mm-mm. Personally, I think you're better off asking the client to do something. Fair enough. And actually, personally, I think you're better off sometimes just telling the client what's going to happen next. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of telling people, listen, I'm a salesman, I've got a vested interest in it. Yeah. I say that a lot. And often I'm very direct if I say, right, here's what we're going to do now. I have to tell people the truth. Yeah, here's what's going to happen now. I'm going to send you a contract. I'd like you to sign it. Yeah, correct. I get that. Anyway. And then if they don't want to sign it, most people will say no. Yes, they will. And tell you why they don't. They will. Anyway, the next couple of pages are a bit lost on me, really. Not lost yeah. on me, I just sort of... But I want to go back to context. If you were really brand new to sales and you weren't closing before, and then you started this as the next piece of your closing armoury, that's a damn sight better than not closing. Yes, there's much... It's like I've always said, have a system, stick to it. This isn't a bad system. Nope. And this I can understand why a lot of better. people, when we said we were going to read this book, did say, oh, it was a game changer for me. It would have been for a lot of your cohorts. Yes. A lot of the healthcare people. Yes. Okay, so I can see you... I would have liked to have seen more... Uh, in the same way, uh, uh, and when we spoke to Anthony Anarino, a point he made was, listen, you can only get so much in a book. 
Um, this guy got more than he self-published. Yeah. I'd have liked to see more conversation about objection handling here. Okay. Well, it, we can come to you somewhere at the end, Jonathan. You're getting a bit ahead of yourself here. <laughs> We're still on chapter 12. So if they say no, he says, let's explore why they have said, what they have said no to. Exactly. Have they said, no, I will not buy? No, because we did not ask them to buy. Did they say, no, I will not take your action? No, because we did not take them. We did not ask them to take an action. What we asked was, does it make sense? And that's my point of the context of it. Yeah, okay. And he does cover that in fairness to him. Okay. Um, and I like that the, then the, the sort of the variation of clients at this stage typically do X. Does yeah. it make sense for us to do X? Yeah. Very subtle. I, I mean, you know, when you read through his scripted bit on page 195, example vignettes of the perfect close. Vignettes. Yeah, you know, all good. I don't like vignettes, actually. What, in photos? Never. I think they're nice on a portrait photo. Oh, I hate them. But this is not a photography vlog. No, and I hate them anyway. Okay. Um, anyway, so then he, then he has a softening statement. Uh, and he goes, softening statement plus what is a good next step? Where are you on with that? Oh, on page 196. 196. I got a bit ahead of you then, actually. So, 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 so I sort of quite like this. So, so what is a good next step? I don't like that as a question. But anyway, he takes the edge off it a little bit. And, and one of the ones that he's right with then, he goes, so it sounds like the timing is not right for that yet. What is a next? What is a good next step? What do you think of that? I think if you're in, you're in, aren't you? And you may as well do it, is what I think in all honesty. I think I wouldn't have asked it, but if I'm going to do it, then... I just feel like asking that question, you're completely ceding control of the sale to the client. He's never had control of the sale. Because he's never endeavoured to control it at any other previous because point. Because actually, in terms of control, what's the number one thing you're trying to do? You're trying to control the pace of it. He says you can't control it. He's not a controlling salesman. No. Okay. But he's the first to say he's not a controlling salesman. Yes, and going back again, fair enough, therefore. Yeah. That's not his MO, that's not what he's doing. Yeah. Anyway. And he's getting results. Hey, if he's getting results with it. Correct, yeah. Absolutely correct. So what page okay. are you on, Neil? Okay. For me, one of the things that uh, it, it, I, I was nervous about and that I'd love to have heard more context on, maybe I wish I'd asked James about it when he was on the show, is going through the process. Does it make sense for us to talk about getting your credit approval while we go through the details together? No, you're way ahead of yourself here. Okay, so what's good next step then? Well, I'm going to need to see a complete statement of work for the whole project before we do anything like that. My then point would be, great, I'll get you a complete statement of work. If I get you a statement of work and you're happy with that statement of work, will you then agree uh, for us to do a credit check and move forward to contract stage? Yeah, I think he was going to put that. Do you think? I would have thought so, yeah. Because otherwise, why? Because for me, then you're into continuations and doing loads of work. That's not that. Don't feel like an advance to me. Yes, that's because you're still looking at it through your through my lens. Through your lens, you've got to change your glasses, haven't you? <laughs> I'm struggling to get this particular set of lenses off, aren't I? Yeah, I know. I know. I can feel your anger. It's not anger. It's it's. Well, maybe I'm just getting old, old and rigid in my thinking, lacking flexibility. Absolutely. Anyway, do you want to go into chapter 13 or not? So chapter 13 brings us... I always like a good a good a um, summary. summary chapter. Yes. I'm a fan of a good summary chapter, actually. Yeah. Because he's got his steps in here, you know, research your client, determine your value proposition, define your questions, determine your advances, define your unexpected value, create your agenda, prepare your mindset. And actually, that's a good summary of the book, really. Good process. And you know, if you had that as a process, and you followed that process every time, 
You'd do all right, I reckon. I think so too. I think you'd do all right. Yeah. And it, just for me, and it's the only time I'm really going to criticise the book really is, I feel like James shouldn't have self-published this. I feel like he should have had... Hung in there and got publisher. Yeah, because actually that's a good process. If not, it just doesn't get a bit lost. So I think as a reader, you've got to stick with that. Cause I think a lot of your good. frustration has been the way the book read. Yes, I like very directive, direct books. And actually maybe a, a, a good editor might have just pulled it together a well, bit Well, a good more. editor that suited me. Yeah. Because I think, you know, talk about books. Drucker, I mean, wow. Yeah, well, an editor... It's appallingly An editor written. let it go out the door and a publisher pu- published it's it. It's appallingly written, in my personal opinion. But it's a very book. dense. But a good book. Yeah. So anyway, we've got the summary chapter here. And and you know what? A lot of it's right if you cast your it's mind back right. to research your client. Cast your mind back to determine your value proposition. Cast your mind back to define your question. Cast your mind back to determine your advances. I don't know if we're talking about it. But walk into a meeting, decide what your answers are, decide a selection of them and try and get some of them. That's a yeah. good thing to do. I agree. Define your unexpected value. I know what you said to this client that you met yesterday because you told me one of the things that you've done is analysed one of his salespeople that was in his force. Yeah. And you, t- and you gave... I brought heavyweight value in 20 seconds. Yes, because you'd researched it and you gave your analysis on that candidate and I bet that was a value to him that he wasn't expecting. I said to him, I reckon you'll part company with him in six months. He goes, why? And you told and him. And I went, and bang, 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 bang. And that's why he's not right for the job. And that's unexpected. Value. And there was a stunned silence in the room. Correct. So imagine if you did that all the time. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I've, so I followed that part of the process without thinking about it. I've just brought value to the table. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. But okay. Anyway, and then in the final is, word, is summary, yeah. if you take action on what you've learned here, you'll have a simple approach to closing that will serve your entire life. It won't cause you to have to change your personality and become something you are not. You won't have to be pushy or manipulative. It will be, a com- it will be in complete alignment with your personal values. And most importantly, because it eliminates the tension and stress related to closing, the whole process will be more enjoyable, not only for you, but for your prospective clients. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so go on, if you want to tell me about what you think about the book. I'll tell you what I did like. I'll tell you what I really, really like. I'll tell you what I like, like what I really, really like. Um, <laughs> you were meant to then do call and response and go, tell me what you like, what you really, really like. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, um, just, I'm just not into suede or whatever it was. It was the Spice Girls. I know it was. So I really like the bit at the back with recommended reading. That is one of the best bibliographies of sales books I've ever seen. I wonder how many of them he's read. And to be fair, he's referenced, everybody he's referenced, it's properly referenced using the referencing system. Fair play. That's really cool. You know, literally every paper that he's used, referred to, all referenced. Neil Rackham, obviously, repeatedly referenced. Um, But it's really good. Overall, how much have I learned? It's been a good refresher for me on a few things, particularly agenda setting. Okay, and not unexpected value. What do you mean? The unexpected value bit we were just talking about. Yeah, well, I think I was doing that anyway because I'm. That's kind of how I sell. Fair enough. But for me, agenda setting and driving that part of the agenda that's been really useful. Okay. Uh, overall, as a book, would I recommend this? There are certain sectors of the market. There are certain candidates where I would say, "Can I suggest you read the Perfect Close by James Muir?" Particularly probably more on my desk than on yours. Yeah, but in the same breath, that's true of all of the books, isn't it? You wouldn't yeah, each one is a bit... recommend 
every book to, you know, any book to no. all people, would you? So this is not for me a, a be all and end all book, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people, particularly in my sector where I would recommend this. If you're in healthcare, good book, really good book. I think I th- also if you're a pre-sales guy getting sales, good book. Wow, excellent book. It's a must read book, I think. Yes. It's a must-read book, but do please understand that it's a must-read book in a journey that should take you further. Yes, I agree with that. And I wouldn't want it to be the last book that you... You see, you say that, I'm going to give you a very simple analogy, which is, you know, I used to play a bit of golf, I hardly play at all now, as you know, but the way I was taught to play golf is stand with your feet shoulder-width apart, Align yourself squarely at the target. Take the club straight take, back. Take the club back. Count one, two on the way back, and count just and count one, two is the back swing. Three is the forward swing. Yeah. And try and imagine you're getting the ball is in the middle of a six-inch ruler. Yeah. And getting the club straight through it. Yeah. They can have all the golf lessons in the world, but if you do that, you'll be a single figure single figure golfer. Yeah. Full and stop, actually, keep, that's it. Correct. And there's loads of other sporting analogies that are similar. Keep a straight bat. It's all true. You know, keep, be, keep the club be, head. In golf, keep that bloody club there'll head straight. There'll be loads straight. for rugby, there'll be loads for football, yeah. there'll be loads for all of them. And so actually, there's some really simple stuff in here. Agendas. That, yeah. That's a game changer, I think, for a lot of people. Completely agree, yeah. That will be a game changer for some people. So I've enjoyed it. It's been a, an interesting one because we started off frustrated with it and, started and, and began to enjoy it at the back end. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's not my favourite book. You know what my favourite book is anyway. And I'd like to say, you know, James sent us these copies himself. We've not paid for these ones. Did he? Right. But we were Top not man. paid to review the book. Top man. No, I've enjoyed it. And I think I think the viewers, like I say, or listeners, whichever it is, should listen to next week's podcast. Yeah, because we've got James on the show and that brings the whole thing together. And he was, as, as usual with all our guests thus far, great company. Yeah, top man. So what are we reading next, Jonathan? Thanks, James. <laughs> on to our next guest who is going to be Bob Berg. Uh, I don't know who John David Mann is. I would imagine he's the co-author. I get the impression... I looked him up, this guy. He looks like a bit of a top man, actually. Oh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, right. I think we've got a proper top boy coming here on the show. So Bob Berg wrote a book called Go Givers Sell More by Bob Berg and John David Mann. The people on the back of this one, I mean, there's some really heavyweight names here, uh, and I'm just going to go through them. Stephen Covey has written one of the uh, one of the back bits. It says, I love this book. This is Stephen Covey. The Stephen Covey. Right? I know, yeah. I love this book. I could tell you all about how well it's written and how full it is of knowledge, value, service, and real-world examples of success and influence due to giving. Instead, I'll simply, I'll say simply that Go Give Us Sell More will touch a lot of lives. Stephen Covey. Next one, David Bach, who wrote a book called The Automatic Millionaire, which is a great book. Next one is Marshall Goldsmith, who wrote a famous book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And then the next one, my guru, my favourite ever sales book, is by Tom Hopkins. He says, if you're serious about selling as a career, you'd be doing yourself a disservice not to read this book and follow its recommended practices. Go Give a Sell More demonstrates clearly how you can achieve greatness in sales. Tom Hopkins, author of How to Master the Art of Selling and Selling in Tough Times. Wow. So we've, we are talking about a guy here. Wow. He clearly has pedigree. I, if I'm honest, until he came to the table, uh, I've never heard of it. I don't know what the book is about. I think it's going to be about working in a frame and context of 
delivering value to your customer. Um, I think that's probably where we're going to be, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's I, I not a mass. Might. It's not a massive book. I think it's one that we might cover in maybe two sessions. I don't know. I mean, I, like like you say, I mean, I'd never heard of him, and I've heard of a lot of different sales books. And then you pick up the book and you think, right, it's published by Penguin, top publisher. Yeah, you don't get Penguin publishing deals if you're an idiot. No, and then you look at the guy online and you think, his website, all the rest of it, he looks like an yeah. absolutely top man. So, and he will be joining us on the show, ladies you know, and him gentlemen. versus probably, I would think, no disrespect to any of the others, but I would think sort of him versus Anarino, it's going to be an interesting celebrity. But what we could do is, given we've got some Top Gear style music, if you know they have a race around the track where they put a star in a car. Yeah. We maybe could put um, a salesperson in a sales scenario and we could see... Who could, you know on the Ready Steady Cook thing, they used to have fastest... What, maybe like do a case study? Like, maybe we could no, no, do we selling to, case studies. We need to think of a challenge, don't we? So maybe we need to t- maybe we need to take all the authors to uh, Iceland, give them some snow to sell. <laughs> to some Eskimos. Yeah. <laughs> some, some uh, yeah, absolutely. Some sand to some Arabs. Yes, something like right. that. That'd be a funny thing to do. I, I think that would be a fun thing to do, actually. Anyway, I wonder how we could do it. So, don't give us some more. That's what we're reading. Look out for and it now. You've got... Absolutely. Week, week after next. Week after so next, start yeah. reading it now. You've got next week, you've got the show with James Muir talking about the perfect clothes. But the book that Michael and I will start reading probably the moment this show finishes. In fact, I'm not going to do any work, Mike. I'm just going to read, go give us some more. You might be more successful. But the irony is, Jonathan... Your saw will be sharper, as Stephen Covey would say. I will sharpen so my saw. That's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe we ought to read Covey. I thought it was a top book, that. I'd like to... I would actually really like to... Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. What a monster. But I'd like to do a couple of non-sales books at some point in the next few months. Right, yeah, okay, I'm in. That are more, perhaps, about productivity. Have you read The Charge? Love it. Brendan Bouchard. Mm, yeah, good. I wonder if we could get Brendan on the show. I mean, he's big time, though. Is he a bit too big time for us? Humble... Warriors. It can't be bigger time than Keith Rosen. And nope. Sienna Reno. I'd love that. Would be well, great. interestingly, who's the guy? Neil Rackham. I found out where he is. Connecticut. Yes, thanks to Patrick Cook for calling in. He right. He's listening to the show. <laughs> Evidently, he's a, a, a professor in Connecticut. Right. Why don't we try and contact him? I'd love. That would. Literally. I mean, like, Neil Rackham's one of my heroes. Really? Yeah. More, more, more so than Kevin Sinfield? No. <laughs> no, I don't have a picture of Neil Rackham on my wall. <laughs> he could sit next to me on the bus, I won't recognise him. Like a sad teenager, aged 47. Thank you very much, everybody. It's been emotional. Mm-hmm.